Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. So our Bible reading today is Philippians 4, verses 2 to 10. So Philippians 4, verses 2 to 10. I plead with Euodia, and I plead with Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help those these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. The next part is headed, um, the final exhortations. Rejoice in the Lord always. I shall say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. So rejoice in the Lord always again, I say rejoice. You know, whenever I I kind of heard sermons about this, I have to say I felt very guilty. Uh, I know that when, uh, during uh, the, the long winters or the rain or for a lot of my life, to be honest, Anne tells me I look more like the cat on the right than the cat on the left, you know. How do you find joy in a grumpy world? Well, happiness, I don't think I've ever met anybody that hasn't told me they'd like to be happy. And everyone wants happiness. Nothing wrong with that. But happiness is circumstantial. You go into work and your boss says, you've done really well, you get a rise, a promotion, come back really happy. Or you watch your team, Wales win against... No, they never do, do they? No. But when they do win, you know, you're really happy. You know, or you go for a holiday in the tropics and you look around by the pool and you read your book and it's just like, oh, happy. Although I have to say, having come back from a holiday, I looked around the pool and most people looked quite miserable, funny enough, and they were there in the beautiful weather having eaten lots of food. But, you know, when you go into work and your boss gives you an unfair review or your team do get beaten by France or you might find that, you know, your life has has just, you know, some particular circumstance has created unhappiness. How do you rejoice and always rejoice then? And what about joy? Well, what is joy? Happiness occurs 30 times in the Bible, while joy, the word joy, appears 300 times, either as a verb or as a noun, joy, rejoice, Joy. So what, what's the difference there? Well, joy is not something experienced through circumstances. 
Something much deeper than that. The, the Bible says in Hebrews 12, verse 2, for the joy set before him, that's Jesus, Jesus endured the cross. And Paul often rejoiced in really difficult circumstances. When he was locked up in prison, either in Philippi or when he was writing from Rome, uh, probably in this letter here, he still seems to rejoice. Joy embraces peace and contentment of the soul, something deeper, wanting to be discovered. And there's some deep and constant joy, whilst happiness is temporary. Now, I've had some uplifting, joyful moments in my Christian life. And I do indeed rejoice that my sins have been forgiven. And I have moments when I think, yes, I'm really loved by God. But I cannot say truthfully that I rejoice always, always, every single moment of every day. It's a a grumpy old world out there, and it's a challenge. So how do you kind of nurture joy? When you have it, how do you nurture it? I want it to last a bit longer in my life. I want it to not just come and go in a, a Sunday morning worship service, but to be permeating through my life. And I think that's what Paul was really wanting the church in Philippi to seek, a more continual joy. And while he regularly mentioned rejoicing, being joyful, he also noted that there were some obstacles for finding joy. And I noticed there are three things in this passage uh, that might help you to remember them with the letters RC. Resolve conflict, rejoice continually, and reflect constructively. We'll look at that a little bit deeper now. Resolve conflict. He starts by talking about two women who were definitely not of the same mind. Their names, difficult to pronounce, Iodia and Syntyche. And I don't think there was an issue of false teaching between them. Otherwise, Paul would have probably addressed the false teaching in an earlier chapter. I think the truth is there was probably some kind of personality clash between these two ladies. Division and conflict happens everywhere. It happens in clubs, in parties. It happens in, even in families and even in church. And so Paul here is describing a kind of conflict here that he wants to help them to remove so that there is a, a much more continual joy. See, it's a, it's a real obstacle to joy. If there's conflict going on in you, between you and somebody else, you'll find that there is a kind of a challenge there to finding that, that joy. And, and it does happen, as I said, in churches, Probably not this church, but, you know, it probably has happened. Uh, but the first church where I was a pastor, uh, I can remember uh, the first thing I wanted to do was start up an Alpha Supper. And so we had kind of uh, about 50, I think, guests that we'd invited for uh, this Alpha Supper. And it was brilliant, and we thought we'll start off with a nice meal. And Anna and I went down to the kind of kitchen, and we thought we'd better get sort of just check on on the um, cutlery, you know, for it. So cause we only just started at the church. And there was a drawer. And uh, I thought, right, let's... And, and it was locked. And then somebody said to me, oh, no one touches that drawer. 
That's the girls' brigade. So I said, well, well, is that got the cutlery? Yes, they said. Yeah. So I thought, oh, well, never mind. I'm just going to go out and buy some new cutlery. Who cares if they can't let me have the cutlery? I'm, I'm going to go and, you know, a new minister. I was, you know, nothing was going to stop me. And then I decided the next thing I was going to do was put out the condiments like the salt and pepper. And, uh, I said, so, so, well, where's that then? You know? And they said, oh, that's in another drawer. That's the drawer marked ladies group. I thought, really? And uh, sure enough, no one goes into that drawer. You won't get a key for that. So I thought, oh, there's obviously been some kind of conflict somewhere in the past. You know, disputes can flare up in churches, even over some of the best things, even over um, anything, breakages of worship groups, um, worship equipment or Moving chairs, that's a, well, you don't have this problem here, but I can tell you in some churches, moving chairs is a, is a massive thing that can cause conflict. People like to, don't like change, do they? So, you know, it's kind of conflict sometimes can prevent the joy of the Lord. And so what does Paul do here? Well, he asks someone called his loyal yoke fellow and his true companion to help. It could have been the pastor or somebody that he really trusted as a conflict resolver. And uh, they needed to be loyal. They needed to stick with the issue. So maybe I think it was loyal yoke fellow was a good description. So he says, I plead with you to help these women to resolve their conflict. And I guess we need conflict resolvers, don't we? We need conflict resolvers in our world. We need them certainly in the, the global situation, people that can look at both sides. Paul was was brilliant at this because he says, you know, there's some really helpful hints for conflict resolvers. There may be some here today who are professional conflict resolvers. It says, they've contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers. Their names are in the book of life. He starts in a positive way. And sometimes when you've got a conflict, look for the Look for the kind of positives first to, to bring people together. Well, then it goes on, rejoice continually. And this is the tough bit, really. And I, I read this and I thought, well, really? Does this mean all the time? Does this mean every second of every day? You know, how do you do this? How do you nurture being thankful for what you have? Well, Start by being thankful for what you have and not what you don't have, I would suggest. You know, certainly, I would say start rejoicing in who you are and not in what you need or what you want, rather. Who you are and, more importantly, whose you are. Whose you are. Whose you are. You belong to God. And so nurture that kind of thankfulness for whose you are, as well as who you are. Paul said this in chapter 4, verse 12 to 13. He said, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty, and I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You know, coveting, wanting something you, you just don't have, wanting your neighbor's car, wanting 
something else that you can't get, that's a real joy robber. If you, you know, really, to be honest, that's, that's the whole thing in this world, why there isn't enough joy, while it is more grumpy than perhaps it, it could be, is because people are wanting that more than they can really uh, afford and wanting in coveting that. So Paul says, look, learn contentment, learn contentment, and there's joy in that. And then he says, and I find this a difficult one, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing, he says. Now, I have to say, being anxious is something I find quite difficult. I, I think when it comes to being anxious, you know, we are all wired up differently. Some are born more anxious than others. Some are actually, you know, kind of just wired up in a way that they, they are more anxious. I, I, I'm sure my baby photos saw me looking like that grumpy cat, you know? I, you know, I've seen some babies, they look really happy. You know, it's kind of strange, isn't it? But we are born and wired up in a certain way. When Jesus said, do not worry, I don't think that he meant that we shouldn't make plans for the future or that we shouldn't have a reasonable level of anxiety and concern for, other, for things that other people need. But he's pointing out the needless worry that many of us go through. You know, I, I read this, 85% of things that we worry about never happen. Never happened. Me, I think, oh, but what about the 15%? That's what I'm, I'm, I'm really worried about that. You know, I've been known to worry about which road to take to Cardiff. I, honestly, I think, oh, should we take the Newport Road or should we take the sort of head of the Valleys Road? Or I look at my sat-nav and I think, oh, oh, perhaps it's telling me to go the wrong way. And I get really worried and anxious about all sorts of simple things that perhaps I don't really need to worry about. And I think that's what... What Paul is saying when he's saying, being anxious for nothing, it's about being anxious about things that are needless to worry about. And worrying can result in lack of sleep, depression, headaches, faster heart rate, irritability, stomach pains. I've got all of these, so I don't need to kind of, you know, understand worry. But it is a, a, a thing that happens when you worry too much. How do you reduce it? How do you reduce worry? How do you reduce anxiety? Well, it's simple. You just go to the doctor and uh, he'll tell you, eat healthier food, slow down, um, reduce the stimulants, caffeine, alcohol, increase your rest. And, uh, and that's what my doctor says. I mean, I want him to give me a pill to help me stop worrying. But I did discover that there is a pill, apparently, to stop worrying. Would you believe it? When I Googled it, there's one being developed by DARPA. That's the U.S. military research and development uh, department, and it removes worry. But when I read a bit more about the side effects, apparently it makes your memory disappear as well. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't know, but I don't need a pill to, to um, <laughs> forget things, because I tell you, as you get older, you just lose your memory wherever you put your keys, and then you get worried, you know. <laughs> oh, where's your iPhone, you know? So, you know, it's kind of, you know, what, there's worry Needless worry. Paul is saying, look, some of these things we need to kind of, kind of think, well, do we really, are they so important? And so he goes on some really deep things now. And he talks about how to, to sort of get to that place of rejoicing. And it's, he talks about prayer. 
He talks about petition. He talks about praise. He talks about the peace of God. Now, prayer, well, that's a big subject for a sermon, so I'm not going to talk much about that. But it starts with when prayer means that you you say, well, God, you are in control of your creation. You are number one. And so we come before him, even though we, we, we think we can do things ourselves. Ultimately, prayer starts with saying, God, you are in control. And then petition, you know, asking God for the needs of other people. When we start thinking of the other person and how uh, they, they, their needs are and we pray for them and we, we lift them up again, this is a way towards rejoicing constantly. And then praise. I mean, ABC are great here at being thankful for the things that God has done for us. You know, we, we all went around this morning thinking of things that we can be thankful for. And that, that's a really good thing on a weekly basis. Actually, I, I was trying to think, what am I thankful for? And then I, I kind of worried about it, you know, if I'm honest. But, you know, but, but then, actually, I, I remembered after you, you all, all finished. So, you know, and I'm, I'm thankful that my two friends from South Sudan made it here. But now I've heard that they've made it safely back. That's something I'm really thankful for. Praise the Lord for that. Amen? Amen. That's good. So, you know, how do you, you, you say be more thankful? Well, you can be pr- say, sing songs of praise. When Paul and Silas were, were in prison in Philippi, they were praying and singing hymns to God, and other prisoners were listening to them. And Paul is writing this from death row, and I'm sure, in fact, Philippians has some amazing passages which people talk of being hymns, early Christian hymns. In there. He loved Christian music. He loved it. You know, whether, whether you, whatever you might think about it, the clapping or the, the different kinds of music, I love different types of Christian music, even more than, than this, the music that we sing. It's good that we've got a variety, but we need to think and play more worship songs, perhaps in the car, perhaps in our prayer times at home, perhaps in our um, whatever. We still need to keep focused on praising God. Uh, and then the last one is the peace of God. The peace of God that transcends all understanding. We hear that, don't we? Oh, it's the peace of God that transcends all understanding that some people actually do have. I know that. I know that. But, you know, the peace of God that passes all understanding, transcending all understanding, actually only starts when you have peace with God. You need peace with God to get the peace from God. And that's about coming to God in true repentance, saying you're sorry, you need Jesus to forgive your sins that moment you, you, you discover that God says yes and he brings that peace between you and him. And so discover that peace that passes all understanding by starting with the peace with God and then you will discover peace from God and a peace that will help you to rejoice regularly. And then lastly, reflect constructively. Reflect constructively. There is some truth in this saying, you are not what you think you are, but what you think you are. Well, Paul actually says, think about some good things. He says this in, in further down in verse, I don't know, earlier, later on. Uh, yeah, whatever is true, whatever is noble, 
Think about these things. And when he uses that word think, it's actually the Greek word logiste, which is like where you get the word logic from, isn't it? Logiste. And he's saying, look, think almost constructively. Think logically. It's not just about the power of positive thinking. I mean, that's good. I mean, I, I watched this film the other day, which was called Yes Man. And in it, Jim Carrey sort of says yes to everything that he's, taught, he's asked. You know, you try it, you know. Yes, you can get more positive, but you get yourself into a lot of trouble as well. But indeed, you, it's not about that. It's not about thinking positively. It is a bit, but that's not exactly what it is. What it is that Paul is saying is to think logiscate. And, and then he's saying what the things are to think about. The things to think about. Before my grandmother passed away, the last thing she did was to send me a postcard. And on it was this little verse. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, think on these things. Think on these things. Well, how do you do that? How do you do that? Uh, the only thing I can suggest is that you think on somebody who is all of those things. And I don't know many people who are all of those things, but I know one. And his name is Jesus. And he is all of these things. He is the truth. He declared it himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is noble. He is righteous. He is our righteousness. He is pure. He is our holiness. He is admirable. He is excellent. He is lovely. And, and so think about Jesus. Spend more time thinking and thinking more about Jesus. So I would suggest to, to really end uh, this, this day, it's, it's Mother's Day, uh, don't let your joy be stolen. Try and get out and smell the roses. Smell the daffodils. Look at the daffodils. Aren't they amazing? I mean, I just think they're fantastic daffodils, aren't they? They're kind of lovely that they just open up and they just give you a sense of beauty and love. Uh, and so think about them. Thank God for them. If you've got a nice garden, then spend time there. Walk in the woods, visit a lake, enjoy the bluebells when they come out in next month. Enjoy good documentaries on TV, wildlife programs, helpful books. Listen to music of people that you, you love and admire. Read a short passage of the Bible every day. Get out there. Don't let your joy be stolen. Resolve any conflict in your life. Rejoice continually and reflect constructively. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that you have set up such a, a great example in your Son, the Lord Jesus, who is indeed true noble, admirable, pure. Oh, Lord, all of those things that we long to think logistically in our life. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to focus and spend more time thinking about Jesus, thinking about the one who loves us, the one who is kind to us, the one who wants us to share his love with others. So help us, Lord, to remember that we are not who we think we are, but what we think we are. And so we would pray that you would help us to think in the way you want us to think, 
and indeed to rejoice continually. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website, abgavenibaptist.co.uk.